Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. Perhaps you saw that The Who, the World Health Organization, came out with a statement just days ago now. And it was made by the health agency's number one, numero uno scientist. Dr. Sumya Swaminathan, she stated that a second wave of infection is a very real risk as the virus, the coronavirus, is still present in the community. We don't know if it will be a second wave, a second peak, or a continuing first wave in some countries. Well, Again, this is concerning the coronavirus and the COVID-19 pandemic. But speaking of fear, grave concern of there being either a second wave or a second peak or a continuing first wave. Well, call it what you will, but more of it. Meanwhile, there was interesting news with regard to this matter of the susceptibility of the younger people to the coronavirus. Namely, that it was stated that there is half the likelihood, only one half the likelihood of those who are under the age of 20, contracting the coronavirus. Now, this came forth from the London School of Hygiene. And they examined models. You know, we've spoken about these before. These computer models, which were using data or data, which was collected from the following countries, from South Korea, Canada, Singapore, Japan, Italy, and communist China. And we know, of course, that the data that is coming forth from the wonderful communist Chinese regime is completely honest and accurate and above board. We know that. But... They found that also, in addition to there being only half the likelihood of these young people under the age of 20 contracting it, they also found only 21% of those who did contract it were likely to show symptoms. That is, among the population group from 10 years of age, through 19 years of age versus almost 70% of those over 70 years of age. Well, this information is going to be used in making decisions about whether to open schools and so on and so forth. Meanwhile, some good, good news. I'm sure you've heard about it or read about it. This steroid drug, dexamethasone, it has been shown to reduce fatalities among patients with severe COVID-19. It is the only drug that has been shown to reduce fatalities. And this particular drug, It's not something that has to be mass-produced before it can be gotten into the hands of medical professionals. No. This is a drug that is readily available and cheap. It was stated, quote, dexamethasone is inexpensive, on the shelf, and can be used immediately to save lives worldwide. We stated that dexamethasone is the only drug 
that has been shown so far to reduce mortality. And it does so significantly. Now, this is following a trial via Oxford University. And it stated that if patients who have COVID-19 and are on ventilators or are on oxygen are given dexamethasone, it will save lives and it will do so at a remarkably low cost. Britain, its health minister, who is over the state-run, government-run health service, stated that standard hospital treatment for COVID-19 will now include the use of this drug, dexamethasone, beginning today. Today. And that Britain had stockpiled 200,000 courses of this treatment, as it was referred to. So it's readily available, it's on hand, and it's inexpensive. It was stated that for less than 50 pounds, so right about $63 and a quarter, or 63 and a quarter dollars, eight patients who have severe COVID-19 can be treated And at least one life saved. So that is a breakthrough. They describe it as a breakthrough. Understandably. This is not some newfangled drug. This is something that is readily available. And is used currently to treat inflammation. Specifically with reference to arthritis, and so forth. So, very good news indeed. Meanwhile, shifting over to the blacktivism that has, of course, swept America. And, of course, there is no political axe to grind, you know, even though the Democrat Party has been demagoguing this to death. But, meanwhile, In Paso Robles, here less than a week ago, there was an attack made upon a police station. One deputy was shot in the face and was still alive as at the time that this information was released. Meanwhile, the police happened to discover a man in his late 40s who was found dead in Paso Robles, who had been shot. But the individual who attacked the police station, who fired upon the police station, who shot this deputy in the face, he was described as being in his 20s or 30s. I found it fascinating that even though they were able to pinpoint his age in his 20s or 30s, quite specific, don't you think? Interestingly enough, they were not able to provide a more detailed description. That is, they were not able to give an indication of race. I wonder why that was. Don't you wonder, too, why it is they were able to specify his age range, but not what race he appeared to be. I wonder why that would be. (laughs) Can't help but think that maybe he just happened to be of color black. Meanwhile, at the same point in time, there were violent Incidents of looting, coast to coast. And who were the individuals that were committing the looting, do you suppose? People of color? Oh, no, certainly not. Well, Macy's flagship store, 
in New York City, Manhattan, was looted. And I love it. They described the looters as suspected looters. Even though they're shown on surveillance video looting the beautiful department store, nonetheless, they are suspected looters. Not actual factual looters caught red-handed by the surveillance videos. No, no, no. Meanwhile, of course, there have been these calls to do away with, disband, defund the police. Tell me this, if we're having these incidents nationwide in the major metropolitan areas specifically of violent gang looting while we have police, what is it going to be like without the police? Do you imagine? (laughs) Can you imagine how wonderful and peaceful and tranquil it will be without the police? Oh, but they're going to take the money that has been taxed from the citizens to pay for the expenses of the police departments, they're going to take that and they are going to give that to black activist organizations. Oh, that is such a great redistribution of the wealth, isn't it? Very well advised. Even though constitutionally, you know, the government is supposed to provide for protection of the innocent, And punishment of the guilty. But no. No, instead, this is, of course, a great step forward, a great leap forward beyond the likes of FDR and Lyndon Baines Johnson. This is the brave new world here in the United States of America. Meanwhile, down in Memphis, Tennessee, a young man, a teenager, an 18-year-old, some would say boy, some would say man, was charged with recklessly driving into a group of demonstrators who were protesting police brutality. Well, he did not drive into them as far as crash into them or take a run at them. What actually happened? There was a massive black mob And while I do not think he took the correct course of action, he was clearly intimidated by this and fearful of this, and he very, very slowly crept forward, pushed forward through the mob so he could get out of there. And he bumped into four people, and one woman grabbed a hold of his vehicle and took it for a ride. But he's been charged with recklessly driving into this group of people. Just outstanding. Do you recall forgetting what's going on right now? (laughs) You know, Uh, do you remember back a year ago and two years ago in Los Angeles, three years ago, mobs of black people, not righteous, godly, God-loving black people, but other, other kinds of black people, shut down highways running through Los Angeles and threw furniture over overpasses down onto vehicles. Nice stuff, right? Really peaceful. Could result in numerous deaths, crippling injuries, maiming, mutilation, mass pileups, little things like that. But, oh, it was protest. You know, it was civil unrest. It was peaceful protest. Meanwhile, of course, Minneapolis leading the way with its wonderful city council and leftist mayor, but the leftist mayor 
is not as far left as the city council. And they, of course, announced that they were going to disband the police department. Structurally dismantle it. Gut it. Just outstanding. But meanwhile, the mayor, he mouthed the same thing about systemic racism in the police force. Really? Mayor Jacob Frey or Jacob Fry, take your pick. He stated that he was not in favor of disbanding the police. But he still went on to speak of the systemic racism, so-called, in police culture. And stated that he would work with the police chief and others in order to, you know, move resources over to social programs from the police over to social programs. But he wasn't in favor of totally, completely, utterly dismantling and putting an end to killing the police, figuratively speaking. Wonderful. What a voice of reason. And yet, compared to the city council, he stands out as a voice of reason. Meanwhile, don't you love the headlines and the stories that are pushed at you on the internet portals? And every time you look at another story, there are others that are being put in front of you. You're being bombarded with these things like man arrested in death of blacks, lives matter, activist. Oh my, it must be a white man, mustn't it? Mustn't it? Well, I suspected it was not. But man arrested in death of black lives matter, activist. So what does it turn out to be, do you imagine? Well, there was a young woman who goes by the name, is known by Toyin, named something like Alua Toyin, last name Salau, 19 years of age, this young woman. And another woman, Victoria Vicky Sims, 75 years of age. What a span between them. Their bodies were found in the same place in Tallahassee, Florida, But guess what? Even though this young woman was a Black Lives activist and the other woman was referred to as a volunteer, they, interestingly enough, were found near a home rented by a black sexual predator. Aaron Glee Jr. And what kinds of things does this man do? Well, back on May 29th, he was charged with kidnapping with intent to terrorize. And he saw fit to kick a woman in the stomach after the woman rejected his aggressive sexual advance. But really a great man. One of the Black Lives Matters black men. You know that they serve. Aaron Glee Jr., 49. And it certainly appears, extremely condemningly, that he murdered this young Black Lives Matter activist and this elder volunteer, this sexual predator. But the headline would have you believe, oh no, terrible white against black violence. 
Is that by accident? Is that incompetence? No. It's by design. It's intentional. It's deliberate. It's to whip up the mob. Meanwhile, in another part of the world, you know, a part of the world where there is no violence against people of color, so-called. It's such a laugh, you know, to refer to people of African heritage as being people of color. Then what do we have for Mexican people, for Hispanic people, Latino people? What about Indian Indians and Pakistanis? What about all of these others who in many, many cases are darker than so many people of color? But anyway, in South Africa, good old South Africa, one of the most violent places on the earth, a place in which the South African president, Cyril or Cyril Ramaphosa, He referred to the country as one of the most unsafe places in the world to be a woman. Oh, sexism. (laughs) Well, in 2019, there were reported to be 2,930 adult women who were murdered. That's not counting All of the rape, the gang rape and everything else, which is massive. But that amounted to one adult woman murdered per every three hours. Now, this was actually, even though it was released in 2019, this was pertaining to the span of time from 2017 up to 2018, that one-year period. But. They are an advanced civilization in South Africa. There is no death sentence. That's right. No death sentence for monstrous murderers. But this beautiful, beautiful 28-year-old woman who was eight months pregnant, who had a boyfriend who apparently had a wife, This young woman who was pregnant by her boyfriend. This young woman's name, I'll take a try at it, Shegofatso Pule, or Pul. And they refer to her as Shego, a beautiful young woman. But talk about not behaving wisely, having a married boyfriend. Well... She told her family that she was going to see her boyfriend. And then, later, she was spotted getting into an Uber, which was ordered by the boyfriend. (laughs) You know, after all, he's just a boy, right? Not a man, but boyfriend, those terms. Well, later, she called her family to tell them that the boyfriend and she had fought and she was returning home. She never made it home alive. She not only didn't make it home alive, but in addition to being stabbed to death, she and her baby, eight months pregnant. That is positively, positively, by any definition, A viable baby. But she was strung up in a tree. She was found hanging from a tree. But her boyfriend's wife knew about her. And her boyfriend's wife always fought with her. What this young woman was doing... Being involved with this married man, I don't know. But rest assured, he was the aggressor. 
But lo and behold, she became pregnant. And she was great with child. So she had to go. Again, not white on black violence here, people. No. (laughs) Black on black. Monstrous, brutal, vicious, sadistic murder of this very beautiful young woman and her baby from South Africa. Before I continue, let me say this. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. And whatever is right and true and good in these programs is thanks to God Almighty and His Holy Son, Jesus Christ. Whatever is lacking, erring, deficient, unworthy, that is on me. That is due to me. That is my fault. The United States Army, it has now stated that it is open to holding a conversation about renaming military bases that were named after Confederate military leaders. The Secretary of Defense and the Secretary of the Army are open to having bipartisan discussion on this topic, on this worthy, worthy topic. It is a sign of the times. But this time in which we live, there has been this intense character assassination of all Confederate military leaders. Oh, they're all evil men. They're all racist. They're all slave owners. They're all this and all that and all the other thing. When that is so frequently not the case. But, again, we have this incredibly, extremely leftist military. Which has been systematically, and that word applies to this, systematically gutted for decades now. And this fiction that the United States military embodies this military force of the sole world superpower is the stuff of mythology. The military that we have now, yes, we have some outstanding individuals. We have some outstanding sub-branches, such as special forces, for instance. But the military as a whole has been feminized, neutered. It has been indoctrinated, propagandized. It has been infiltrated openly by Islamists. It has been pervaded by things such as Satanism. It's just wonderful. And years ago, certainly it wouldn't be the case now, but years ago, I saw that, and I've mentioned before, that one out of every ten women in the military was pregnant while serving in the military, you know, on active duty. That makes sense, doesn't it? And we are continually being indoctrinated about the rightness of daddy staying home while mommy goes to war. 
and daddy with multiple children while mommy is off pursuing her military career. If not at war, at least, you know, her career in the military. Because after all, military is first and foremost supposed to be a career. It's not supposed to be about defending the nation. It's not supposed to be about defending the women and children back home. No. No, it's supposed to be a career, so it has to be equal opportunity at all cost. So it needs to have, what, 55% female, something like that, to be representative, doesn't it? So we need to really increase that. And there is very, very active, aggressive recruitment of young women. Now, if we want to go back to some old, antiquated, arcane, archaic instrument like the Holy Bible, we will find that contrary to the way we do things, contrary to the way the United States of America has been doing things for all of its existence, no one and it was exclusive to men, but none of them were accepted into the military until they were 20 years of age. Oh, but that was so backwards, wasn't it? What's wrong with having 18-year-olds, 17-year-olds, 16-year-olds? Why not do it like Hitler, 13-year-olds, 12-year-olds? 20 years of age. They had other provisions as well. Instead of a young man marrying a young woman immediately before he's shipped off, you know, they have one night together or something before he's shipped off. The Bible had things differently. God Almighty had things differently. If a young man had married very recently... He was required to stay home and cheer up his wife for a year before he would be permitted to join the army. What a ridiculous, terrible, sexist way to do things, isn't it? You know, but anyway, what a great opportunity for draft dodgers, you know, certain well-known political individuals could simply have resorted to getting married. That would buy them a year. But especially for those who, you know, marriage, it's just temporary anyway until they find someone that they prefer. Or in the case, again, of this South African man being free to impregnate girlfriends here, there, and so forth. But Yes, our military has never been stronger, our president told us. Never stronger, never better. But meanwhile, meanwhile, Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House, she, of course, came out championing police reform. Yes, police reform. You know, let's gut the police forces. And she spoke of, quote, the martyrdom of George Floyd. Let's canonize him right now, shall we? You know, this man died while being arrested. Was he brutally murdered, sadistically, monstrously chopped to pieces? like beautiful young women in New York City whose destroyers are charged with second-degree murder at the most? No. No, but the man who is charged with his death is charged with second-degree murder, the highest that you can get in New York State unless it is something like a mafia hit. But the martyrdom, 
You know, that's, it's just amazing, the perversion of language, isn't it? The Islamists, they're terrorists who commit mass murder if those terrorists die in the act of slaughtering innocent people. They honor them as martyrs, you know. Well, not to liken Mr. Floyd to them, but it is a perversion of language and it is deliberate and is intended to indoctrinate and to propagandize and to demagogue and to pander, dear Nancy. But meanwhile, On the opposite side of the aisle, some Republicans have stated that, you know, the Democrats want to abolish private health insurance, capitalism, now the police, what's next? The fire department? Indeed. But what's to come of all this, really? Well, in Minneapolis, again, the city council, along with the lip service mayor, are going to completely eradicate the police, dismantle structurally dismantle the police department. Oh, that's, oh, that's just so good. That is benefiting the people of color in Minneapolis, right? That's for their benefit. Surely, surely that must be for their benefit. So that they can be preyed upon by the vicious gangs without opposition, so they can be terrorized by the vicious gangs without opposition. I'll tell you, the gangs are rejoicing. They are celebrating. They are deliriously happy about these proceedings. Oh, but this is, I thought this was supposed to be pro-black. Yeah, that's the way it's being pitched by the likes of Pelosi and the Democrat Party. But it's only favorable for the elements within the black population that are something less than good and something other than peaceful. But not all major metropoli are going to that extent, following the lead slavishly of Minneapolis. No, some are merely taking the funds that were extracted from the taxpayers to fund the police departments and instead redirecting them for social justice programs, so-called. That's right. So take from the general population, Caucasian citizens, Mexican citizens, Asian, Oriental, Asian citizens, Indian, Indian citizens, African-American citizens, and allocate it all to African citizens. That's fair. What could be fairer than that? Forget about there being any provision to protect the public. That's not needed. We'll just give it to black community organizations. 
right? Oh, that is so good. It really is so good. Meanwhile, in New York City, Bill de Blasio, Bill D. Blasio, he stated that he will be rerouting funding intended for the New York Police Department towards social services. Oh, that is so good, isn't it? In Los Angeles, Mayor Eric Garcetti, he's going to cut the police department budget by $150 million and divert that, redistribute that to black communities and communities of color. Oh, that is just so righteous. Oh, that is justice. That is social justice, isn't it? It certainly isn't. But that's America in this day and age. It's on its last legs. This is what you have before total societal collapse. Now, does it mean that violence is just going to run rampant indefinitely? No. No, I fully expect that after it has really (laughs) blown up, so to speak, that then there will be martial law that will be imposed because that's really what the Democrat Party wants. That's what Bill Clinton and Hillary Rodham Clinton wanted and prepared to bring about was nationwide martial law. Likewise with Barack Hussein Obama and Joe Biden. That is the game plan. That's the end plan. But this is just a step towards that. A necessary step. There needs to be rampant violence. Unchecked violence. Anarchy in the streets. And people crying for the government to intervene. And then the next step is martial law, unconstitutional cessation of all democratic rights. It's coming soon. Meanwhile, in North Korea, that wonderful democratic nation, right? Donald Trump's BFF. Kim Jong-un, Kim Young-un. Well, the North Korean communist regime of Kim Jong-un. It has now demolished, blown up, the inter-Korean liaison, or liaison if you prefer, office in Gaesong Industrial Complex just over the line from the DMZ into North Korea. They've blown it up to show who's boss. They aren't going to put up with South Korea anymore. And it is stated that it is believed, and understandably rightly so, that this is a crisis that has prefabricated, if you will, to force the very weak South Korean political leadership into making concessions, into caving in. And it will undoubtedly succeed. Meanwhile, who is spearheading this? Well, how about Kim Jong-un's sister, Lady Death, Kim Yo-jong? She stated in advance of this happening that the Korean liaison office would soon be seen completely collapsed. And then it was blown up by North Korea. (laughs) Yes. But, you know, there's been various scuttlebutt about this young woman. 
And she has been the point person, you know, like Hillary in the war room of the White House for eight years after heading up the war room in Arkansas. She headed up the war room in the White House. But this young woman, Kim Yo-jong, she's been at the tip of the spear of the North Korean propaganda machine. She's in charge of it. The state propaganda machine. And so denouncing defectors, you know, people who have fled the monstrous, evil North Korean communist regime, who fled to the South, which is very difficult and very, very dangerous to do, and are sending back into North Korea leaflets. Now, these leaflets... They can pertain to political freedom, calls for that. But so much of what is, in fact, sent into North Korea pertains to something else that is utterly, totally hated with a passion and results in death sentence, and that is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible of the true and only holy God. But anyway, she is variously called a de facto chief of staff for her brother, Kim Jong-un. And she certainly will be the successor to him if he is disabled or should die. What a tragedy for the world that would be, but for him to pass. But frankly, it would be. Why would it be? Why would that be a tragedy? There is no tragedy in the destruction of evil. So said Shakespeare. Not necessarily his wording, but that's exactly the gist. But the reason it would be a tragedy is not because of the passing of an evil leader, but the rising of a more powerful evil leader, which is what she would be. But the blacktivism, you know, what is the agenda of that, really? How about white genocide? Again, like Drexel Associate Professor of Politics, George Chicarello Mahers call for white genocide. All I want for Christmas is white genocide. To clarify, when the whites were massacred during the Haitian Revolution, that was a good thing indeed. He could have said when the whites were massacred in South Africa, when the whites were massacred in former Rhodesia, now Zimbabwe, and so forth. But he chose the Haitian Revolution. That was a good thing when the whites were massacred. This is a white man, okay? At least on the outside, George Chicarello Maher. But would you think that he might be damned as being a hater? No. No, he wouldn't. How about his language being damned as being hate speech and him being banned from Twitter and other social media. No. How about him being fired from Drexel University for engaging in such murder-promoting, mass murder-promoting, As this, to be fired. No, not in this nation. No, no, he's just exercising his freedom of speech. He's just offering his opinion. Calling for mass genocide of all whites. He should be careful because he might accidentally die (laughs) You know, while while the blacks are murdering, slaughtering the whites, 
they might not recognize that he's one of them. And, you know, that would be sad. But I've spoken before about the fall of the Roman Empire, which was very well deserving of falling. But dying civilizations, all of the earmarks, all of the hallmarks are there for all of the Western nations, the free nations. No death penalty for monstrous, heinous murderers, whether in South Africa or the UK or the European continent or the United States. Wait, we have a death penalty. Yes, in some states. How often is it used? Less than 100 times a year. Even though 15,000 murders, 16,000 murders, depending on the data, the data, right? No deterrent value. And if any ever are executed, it will be a quarter of a century after the fact. But meanwhile, of course, slick lawyers are encouraged and rewarded for getting them off and pleading them down and starting at second-degree murder instead of first-degree murder for vicious, heinous, serial murderers, kidnap, rapist murderers, and so forth. No, no execution. Dying civilizations. This one hasn't got long to go. If, it, if this nation lasts for another 10 years, I will be surprised. But I've mentioned before about the most dangerous man in the world who will be following the rise of 10 kings. And he shall come in by peace, use flattery and craft, deceit, conspiracy, shall change the times and the laws, replace righteous laws with evil laws. That's coming. That's very soon coming. Perhaps you've heard of Burning Man, this festival in the desert 100 miles north of Reno, which features nudism and partial nudism and free love. You know, it's another, another Woodstock. But you should look at the things, the creations that they make there. Fascinating. They really really give an eye towards what's coming, as well as the tattooing of them, just like the mark, the number, the name of the beast. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. Thank you. Thank you.